Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. No special announcements or anything, so I'm just going to jump right into it. First up, a new Neo Geo arcade machine was just announced, uh, and there's not too much info on it. There's a ton of people speculating, but I'll tell what there is so far, and there's definitely some concerns. Uh, So it's called the Neo Geo MVS X, um, and it's either comes as a tabletop or a stand-up unit, and there's no pre-orders yet, although it says the release date will be October of this year. It's $500 if you want the full stand-up set that looks to be it looks to be about the size of an arcade one up like a three-quarter style arcade machine um, or if you want just the top it's 450 but if you're gonna buy the stand afterwards it's a hundred for the stand so makes sense to pick it up as one piece if you have the room uh, it's got a 17 inch 1280 by 1024 LCD panel so it is going to be four by three and the way the neo Geo's aspect ratio works it should kind of fit just right in that it should be if it's not it's close enough where it wouldn't it wouldn't upset even even most neo Geo purists so I wouldn't worry about the the horizontal the vertical, hopefully they don't do something like try to stretch it. Hopefully there's just black bars and a nice bezel to cover it or something like that. Because uh, the resolution scaled 4X vertical is not quite 1024. Um, there's absolutely no mention of what emulation they're using, though. Only that there's going to be a scanline option. Um, also, uh, there, the control panel has two players and it's kind of cool that it looks very similar to a neo geo and that it has right player left player start and a game select button however there it's it's like a street fighter six button style control pad which immediately gives me pause because i'm like you know is this supposed to be an mvs or what because mvs's didn't really ever look like that at least none of the ones in the u.s did so i don't know what that's all about um also it comes with 50 games but there's some notab- noticeable ones missing, like um, there's no Windjammers, there's no Neo Turf Master, uh, so I don't really know. You know, I, I'm not. I guess take a look at the list and decide for yourself. Is this something that uh, you know? Are your favorite games on here? Do you want a, a tabletop mini machine, kind of like the one that I did, but without having to do any work on it? It just kind of shows up. Uh, it's really up to you if you want it. I reached out to the team, uh, and actually somebody from the fighting game community vouched for me as well, which was really awesome. Uh, but I reached out to the team and asked for an interview. They said they're going to try to set something up. Um, I haven't heard back from them in a few days, so hopefully they're just trying to figure out time differences and stuff like that. But I really want to do an interview to figure out exactly what they're doing here, because, you know, if, if it is just like an arcade one-up style, like, hey, here's, you know, here's something that looks like an arcade machine. It's got a bunch of buttons. Be happy with it or don't. There's still a lot of people that would want that. Um, for me personally, I, you know, while I do think this stuff looks cool, if it's going to be a subpar experience in any way, I'd rather not. I'd rather just use a Raspberry Pi or just use the mini MVS that I already built because it just, 
it's not to me it's not about the nostalgia it's about the games so like if you have a really you know if you loved neo geo and you know you would love to have a tabletop or a three-quarter full-size stand-up and you know it would just it feels nice to look at and occasionally play then cool but i want to know that it actually works right before i tell anybody to invest any money in it and i would say that to anybody making anything like this so it's certainly no not at all a dig against the team working on it i'm just trying to be thorough like i always am so I'm hoping that someday soon I will be following up with an interview with the developers and possibly even uh, get my hands on one to borrow just to test out and you know, then forward on to the next reviewer or something like that. But I, I hope this is awesome. I just, with so many different ways of recreating consoles these days, from software emulation to full FPGA recreations with cartridge, you know, cartridge slots working and all that stuff, I, I really hope that for $500 they would have taken the time to do this to do this, maybe not perfect, but do it well enough that the very people who stood behind Neo Geo all these years would actually want to play it and not just keep it as a collector's item. So long rant over. There's no nothing other than speculation at this point, uh, other than the specs I already said. So check out the link to the main page if you want all the info that they said about it, and I'll follow up when there's real info on it. Epos Vox just posted a video about getting started streaming retro games, and I think it's really an awesome way for people to take the first step into it. Um, he uses the Retro Tank as an example, which I think is the perfect device for, for people getting started, and goes over things like integer scaling, how to set up the basics in OBS. So it's really great for people that maybe are just used to setting your HDMI to 720p or 1080p, and then you know putting your little window in there and going from there. You don't ever actually have to worry about scaling or any of that stuff or I guess if you did scaling modern stuff just by stretching a little bit isn't the worst because you don't it, smooth scaling doesn't matter as much with newer style games but I don't know, overall I thought it was great I still plan on doing my own beginner streaming video uh, to be honest I'm, I'm pretty much going to be saying almost exactly what Adam already said in this video I just also wanted to do one from the perspective of somebody that's never even seen OBS before whereas your average viewer or, or anybody that's even really familiar with the Epos Fox channel has definitely seen OBS whether they've used it or not at least they know what it is and know what to expect so I do plan on doing a beginner streaming thing at some point but I also want to make sure to get a Mac so that I could really you know in a, in a couple of capture cards of all price ranges uh, just so I could give people the basics because I think it really drives me insane when I hear people say oh there's too many streamers like that is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard in my life because what if I just have a couple of friends maybe like three or four buddies that grew up playing video games that we miss each other and you can't really hang out in person as easily these days so what if we just all you know take turns doing a stream and get on chat and bullshit with each other and you know, do the usual. Like you don't need to. You don't need to stream to try to become a professional streamer. You could stream just because you want to hang out with your friends and play a video game that way. So, uh, I absolutely encourage anybody to try streaming at all who even wants to just just see if they even like it. Even if you get set up for just one or two, depending on what equipment you already own, you might not need that much of an investment. The only other thing I'll add to Adam's video is he talked a lot, uh, or uh, for a bit at least, about what kind of capture cards you might want to use. But if you're the person that just 
did what I just explained. Like, you just want to hang out with your buddies. You don't really know if this is going to be a thing that you do more than once every couple of months. Uh, Adam did a review on a $20 capture card. I think I, I'm pretty sure I put the link to that in this video. Yeah, right here. Um, you could get them uh, from eBay or Amazon. They're around 20 bucks, and they're they're meh, but they're $20. So, you know, I actually think they're the perfect thing for people that just want to use, like streamers that want to use a webcam uh, or their camera as a webcam. They're probably not, they, you know, they're probably a little bit choppy, but whatever. It's still better than your average crappy $20 webcam if you already own the camera, whatever. I also did some captures with the Retro Tank and 480p, and they were all right, but it's $20. So, you know, definitely perspective here. So I'll eventually get, get to my super, super beginner video on this. Um, but I, honestly, I would, uh, most of it would just be referencing Epos Fox's stuff anyway. So if you're looking to get started, um, or especially if you've already done any kind of streaming, but want to switch over to doing retro stuff, definitely check out this video. And he said, it's going to be the first in a series of videos. So, uh, you know, I'll be covering those as well when they come through and, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the rest of them, but I, I certainly enjoyed this one, and I'm looking forward to see his tips on the rest. A Kickstarter for the ZX Spectrum Next just got funded and raised over a million dollars pretty much right away. Um, so this is an FPGA recreation of the ZX Spectrum, and I was told I have to say Z because it was never released in North America, so say it like it was said where it was released. I don't want to have my uh, my European friends smack me down for that. Um, but it, it's basically just a, a near-perfect recreation of the original that also has a bunch of extra features. So, you know, modern stuff like Wi-Fi, faster processors, um, RGB SCART, VGA, and HDMI video outputs, which is really cool because then you could do everything from the spectrum across the spectrum of playing it on an original-style monitor to any VGA monitor you find to just HDMI like you would normally expect. Um, there's a full set of specs that all look like they're, um, you know, they're pretty beefy for something like this. And it, this really is obviously for somebody that wants an exact recreation of the original. Uh, I've been seeing um, Sorg Alexi doing a bunch of updates on the ZX Spectrum FPGA core for the Mister. So, uh, you know, if you just want to experience this using hardware emulation, then, you know, the Mister might actually be a more cost-effective way to do that. But if, you, if you're looking for a perfect recreation, or a near-perfect recreation, the look and the feel, the keyboard, something that makes you feel like you're actually using the original, this is probably a better way to go. And I genuinely think that there is a place for both. There is a place for the Mister, for all of the amazing things that it does, and there's also a place for individual consoles to be made like this to give you that look and feel, as well as just being able to use the software on it. So anybody's interested, there's a bunch of different tiers. You could buy one or two at the same time. I think they're like 400 bucks each, so they're fairly expensive, but um, read through the Kickstarter and really see if this is something that, you know, if you're a fan of the computer, maybe this is something that's important to you. And also, I believe that this is the second run that they've done, and their first Kickstarter was successful and people were mostly happy with it. So, you know, while I'm always a little hesitant to back Kickstarters these days, which sucks, I know that's a negative thing to say, but, gotten, you know, I think we've all gotten burned a few times. This is a company that's already done this before and had pretty much positive responses. So, you know, before you throw your 400 bucks out there, it's nice to know that at least this is something they already have experience in. But any fans of the computer, definitely check it out and see if it's for you. 
It looks like Marshall's working on an updated hardware revision of the Ultra HDMI, and it looks like the biggest difference is going to be an optional add-on board that gets analog video output from the same HDMI board, which would really come in handy for uh, for a few different reasons. First of all, it, it appears that all of the extra features and on-screen display are going to be visible through the RGB output as well. So that means that you could have things like de-blur options and all of those advanced features through both the analog and the digital ports, which is pretty awesome. Um, there's going to be RGB and component video output that would solder to the RGB pins of the multi-out, but not mess with the rest of them. So it doesn't take away your composite or S video output. It just adds either RGB or component. Um, on the installation side, if you had one of the original N64s um, that's compatible with just that very easy drop-in RGB mod, just solder four wires, drop the board over the pins, and you're you're done. Um, you know th- that was already pretty easy. But most of the N64s out there aren't that model revision, which means it would be a very complicated and expensive install to do have both mods because you would need the more expensive boards and you would need to solder them both either manually, which has been done. Dan did that for me a few years ago, or I believe Bordy created a ribbon cable that makes it easier to install both but it's still a lot more expensive to do all that and a lot harder. So simplifying everything all in one like this is pretty awesome. The only downside though is it's a completely different ribbon cable, which means if you've already installed one of these, you can't just take out the piece of hardware, unplug the ribbon cable, plug the new hardware in and be done. You would have to reinstall the whole thing. And while I'm definitely not a pro modder, I don't know I don't know how good an idea it would be to try to uninstall this flex cable and reinstall it in another N64. You know, pro modders might think that's not too big a deal. And while I've installed plenty of these Ultra HDMIs that are all still running, uh, I I don't know if I'd be comfortable doing that. Uh, I Unless you're, you know, I think the only two real choices would be to uninstall it, buy a new flex cable for the original and throw out the other one to be safe and install a new one, or probably the better move would be to just buy another N64 for this um, and sell off your original, if this feature was important enough to you to upgrade for. Uh, I don't know if it would be for most people. So uh, now all of this stuff, while Alex did an awesome job hunting down all this info, all of this is kind of still just hearsay because I don't know if anybody's got any official word from Marshall, who's notoriously hard to get a hold of. I've talked to him a few times. He's always super nice, but uh, it's almost impossible to to get a response from him anywhere. So it looks like it's going to be about 130 plus an extra $30 for if you want the RGB board. It looks like the OSD and all features should be available through the RGB port as well. Um, and uh, it also appears that the RGB or component video would only be original resolutions, So, if, which makes sense because if you need analog 480p output, just use use the HDMI output and buy yourself a super cheap converter. You don't need, a, you know, you don't need any kind of RGB for that. Um, and the only other thing is there's no official word right now on where you could get these. So for a while, you were able to get them from Game Tech and then, you know, just these group buys on shmups that people were doing. But there's no, there's no official distributor. You know, there's no, you know, I, it's just they're impossible to find for a lack of a better word. So hopefully, hopefully... Someday, Marshall would work with somebody to get these things produced in larger quantities, get them out to, to multiple resellers or, or just one reseller, but have them in stock all the time because they're notoriously hard to find. And all it does is end up 
um, it ends up with people scalping these on eBay for an insane amount of money. And, you know, it also ends up in people trying to clone it. There was somebody just the other day bragging about trying to clone it. And I'm pretty sure I know what notorious clone company they work for, too. Uh, so I'll just, you know, that's why if anybody saw my Twitter feed a week or two ago, I, I tweeted at what I think is Marshall's account. <laughs> Might not have even been him, but I, I kind of warned him, like, hey, people are starting to clone it. So... I hope that doesn't happen. I hope the opposite happens. I hope he's able to just make a couple of thousands of these, get these in the hands of the right inst- uh, the right installers and resellers, and kind of squash that problem altogether. Because if they're readily available, you know, generally speaking, it's not going to get cloned. There's, you know, it doesn't happen nearly as much as stuff that you can't get. So now there's a demand. So. I guess my rant over. No, no disrespect towards Marshall. He's always been nice to me the few times I have talked to him, but. You know, I, I wish I wish he had some way to communicate with people that was better than what he's been doing. So, Jimmy Hoppe just teamed up with Rewind Mike to do a video about the MSX game Aliens, which is based off of the movie, the sequel to the original Alien movie. And I just thought it was an awesome video that most retro nerds would probably enjoy. Um, there's tie-ins between the movie and the game, um, and Rewind Mike's part of the video showed the previously unreleased and unfinished Famicom Disk System port of the same game. And it was really cool to see the, the two different versions of the game uh, and really just kind of go through something fun and retro. And I thought it had all the aspects that most people would enjoy. And as Jimmy does very often, it ties in the developers who made it as well as their previous and follow-up work and stuff like that. And I'll be honest, like I, I hesitated to write a post about this on Retro RGB because I was like, man, you know, I like a lot of stuff that I don't post. Like I just really liked the new John Petrucci song, but I'm not going to write a post on Retro RGB. And I'm like going back and forth. Like, do I not write a post because Jimmy's my friend and it's going to feel like favoritism or, you know, I kind of, I really had like an internal debate about this, but a couple of days went by or maybe just over a full day and I couldn't stop talking about it. You know, all of my fellow nerds that like this stuff, I kept mentioning the video and, and like, talking referencing different parts of it and then i just kind of figured like look i don't really care who made that video if i talked about it that much i would want to share it on the site so you know i'm always interested in people's thoughts about that there are there have been a few people that uh that did kind of express their their discontent with how very often i feature videos from channels i work with or i'm friends with or, or whatever but you know i also don't write up every one of my friends videos and you know i also have other opinions i've written up friends videos before that i disagreed with so but i still thought we're a hundred percent relevant to the people watching so you know as always i'm interested in, in hearing your thoughts about this but i just i couldn't stop talking about this one so i figured i would share it because i assumed everybody would probably enjoy it Here's one that's pretty cool that I didn't fully understand when I first saw it. So even if you think you know what this is, give me a moment here. Um, somebody just wrote their own game engine for the Super Nintendo that allowed them to port over Sonic the Hedgehog from the Sega Genesis, or at least one level, Green Hill Zone 3, I believe. And the purpose of this was twofold. They wanted to have a game engine where you could have a game that feels exactly the same as Sonic. So uh, that fast movement, you know, the, the very cool graphics and that. But also the purpose was to test it out so that they could make their own game. And they just felt like doing one on, a, you know, doing a Sonic level would be a great way to port this over. So I actually saw this right when it came out. 
And I, you know, I must have been grumpy or something because I kind of passed right over it and assumed it was one of those ROM hacks that just takes Super Mario World and puts Sonic the Hedgehog graphics in it. And I've played those before, and those are neat. I don't want to take away from those, but you're playing Super Mario World with, you know, slightly different game mechanics. But this is not that at all. This is a from scratch written engine that gives you the real feel of Sonic the Hedgehog, but on Super Nintendo. So I thought it was awesome. Uh, I started to do a write-up on it, and then just as I sat down to write it, I opened up uh, my computer and saw that John Linneman from DF Retro just did a video on it, which was way better than the one I would have <laughs> I was going to do. So I figured, perfect, I'll just do a write-up about his video instead and, and just point everybody his way but it was really impressive to see uh it is playable if you would like to play it uh and it even works on real hardware so if you just pick up any one of the super nintendo rom carts it should work fine and once again it's only one level and there's no boss but it's just a really fun way to see what what could have been and in the video you know john really speculated like you know what would have this been like when the you know the original 16-bit console wars were happening if somebody actually put a fully you know fully feels the same port of sonic on the super nintendo would that have you know how would that have changed the game and well that's certainly fun to speculate um you know one thing that does not need speculation is how cool it is that somebody built that engine. So if you're into this stuff, check out the video and also the original thread that describes everything that went on. Um, and of course, once again, you could download the ROM for yourself if you want to try it. Professor Abrasive just announced the price and availability of the Satiator optical drive emulator, and it's $260. It should be available uh, to Patreon subscribers within about a week at a $15 discount, so $245. Um, and then the next batch of 1000 will be put on sale shortly afterwards. So that's really expensive. Um, you know, and I do realize that, you're, you know, it's, it's complicated to do all this stuff. It costs money to, to have them properly manufactured and tested and all that. But I'm really wondering what price is going to do to the sales of this thing. Because just my opinion, just my speculation, I think if it was $199, that batch of 1000 would probably probably have sold out immediately. Uh, and, and heck, if it was cheaper than that, if it was 125 or something, I don't think you'd be able to keep these in stock at all. Uh, I think you know, you'd have to make them in, in, in very large numbers for everybody to be able to get them. But that price, that higher price, ooh, that's really going to draw a line. You know, you could get... Uh, you could, if your Saturn is compatible, or, or even if it's not, you could buy a brand, you know, a newer Sega Saturn, you know, used obviously, but you could buy a, another one from a game store that has the 20 pin drive, and then you could get yourself the Fenrir and an SD card, you know, and probably have somebody recap the Saturn for the same price at, or, or less than just the Satiator. So that's going to be really tough to decide what you want. Um, I'm still buying one just because as somebody who reviews stuff and runs tests, to have a Saturn that's already been refurbished that has both an optical drive and a way to play uh, just off of an SD card is going to be really helpful to me. And I guess it would also, if you've already had a Saturn, like let's say you, you took your Saturn, uh, you put a new laser in it, you had the whole thing recapped, you had the laser tuned, you had the maybe the SPDIF mod done, you did the FRAM mod, maybe you even did the 
the BIOS mod if you needed that to be done. That's a lot of money invested in that Saturn. So I guess in that case, yeah, buying this would probably make sense, uh, especially if you need disk support or if it wasn't a 20-pin drive. Because, uh, you know, no, I don't think there's any word on when the uh, when or if the different versions of the Fenrir are going to be released that have uh, compatibility with all of them. So yeah, this is a this is a weird one here. I don't know what that price point's going to do to the sales of this, um, but maybe it's necessary. So I, I don't know. I certainly don't want to speculate on how much it costs to make these. I'm just glad I guess they're finally out. But you know, I used the picture of the box that Professor Abrasive came up with, and I was I thought it was really neat when he announced that. And now all I could think of is how much is that box adding to the price of this? <laughs> is it only a couple bucks, or am I you know are we now pushing the pushing the limit of what we're spending on this to get extras like that. So, uh, and just a couple more details. If you are or were a Patreon subscriber, you're going to be getting an email and you'll have five days to purchase before you lose your place in line. So there will be no rushing to the website, hitting F5 a million times, crashing the website, at least for Patreon subscribers. Um, and when you do log in, the, uh, the web link will be available and it'll say like $10,000 price. But when you get the code that's emailed to you, it'll drop down to the proper price. And no, you won't be able to check out if you're mega rich and have 10 grand to, to, to spend on one of these. Uh, and I guess afterwards, then um, they're all just going to go up for sale. And that's probably where, when you're going to expect a bum rush. And I'll, I'll, there's no official date on that yet, but I'll let everybody know. So while this is very cool to finally have a product I've been waiting for for quite a few many years, the price was a bit of a shocker for a lot of people. So now I'm kind of wondering, you know, will those thousand sell out immediately like they definitely would have if it was much cheaper? Um, or will they be kind of easier to get as a result? But I don't know. At least there's options now. I mean, that uh, that price of the mode is just starting to look a lot cheaper. You can get a mode and and a 3D printed bracket and a really cheap SSD for the same price as probably just the satiator and a uh, you know in shipping. So definitely definitely choices to be made depending on what your preferred method of playing your dry, or playing your games are. So I'll have more info posted as soon as there is any. Mike Chi just released a new RetroTink product called the 2X Pro Multi-Format, or Tink M, like I've been calling it. Uh, and unfortunately, as I kind of feared, it confused a lot of people. So I'll give you the quick rundown here. And then um, if you if it sounds like a product that you want uh, that you want more info on or that you'd be interested in buying, please check out the video and also read through the post because I elaborated on a lot of stuff that I didn't feel needed to be focused on in the video, but was info that I really thought should be out there too. But for now, I'll just give you the, as quick a run through as I can, and then you know go watch the video if if you think it's for you. Uh, but essentially, it's very similar to the the Pro that was just released a few months ago that could pass through 480 video, 480p video with a bit of color compression on it. Uh, no compression on anything else, though, just 480p. And it scales the video slightly different using bilinear scaling. So what does that mean for people that want to use this? Um, if you have retro consoles in the mix, so 5th gen and earlier, so we're talking anything that's not the PlayStation 2, Xbox, Wii, or GameCube, anything before that, I would just stick with the original retro tank, and then whenever you use games with 3D graphics, flip on that smoothing filter and see how you like it. I love the filter on 3D graphics and hate it on 2D graphics, but there's no right or wrong answer. It's whatever your eyes prefer. However, this product has a couple of very specific 
niche uses to it. Niche, niche, however you say it. I'm sure somebody will correct me. But I think the perfect use for it is the PlayStation 2. Because the PlayStation 2's library is mostly 480i, and while yes, I know you could install a mod chip and force different resolutions, not only does that require installing a mod chip, but I've had really spotty results with that. So, assuming that you're going to have to play the games in their original resolution, having bilinear scaling and uh, you know zero lag scale. Uh, deinterlacing of this is an awesome help. Um, I think also there's some field shift modes that depending on the game might help with the interlace flicker. Once again, just try it and see on yours. But I think overall, it, it's just a great fit for the PlayStation 2's graphics. It of course will also work with the PlayStation 1 as well. Um, it adds scan lines too, so that's kind of cool. Not in 480p mode. And the fact that it passes through the, uh, the games on the PlayStation that also offer 480p is an awesome bonus. Now, the way that this had to be made, the limitation was that it had to compress the colors to 422 in 480p, not in any other resolution. So as a pass-through device, that technically means you might get a better picture just getting a cheap converter. However, it's my opinion, which some people get really mad when I say this, but you're either a person that could immediately see color compression or you'll probably never see it. And I think the majority of people would never notice. That really upsets the people that do notice whenever I say that, but I'm just giving my opinion based on the people I've spoken to. So in the context of the PlayStation 2, there's so much trade-off on this that it's so worth, in my opinion at least, if that's if that's your favorite console, it's worth picking one of these up. And oh, by the way, if you also have an Xbox and a Wii and a you know a Dreamcast when the HD Retrovision cables come out, you could use it for that too. But if you only you know if you only use those other consoles and not the PS2, I would probably suggest just getting a very basic analog to digital converter. It won't compress the colors; it'll pass everything through. Um, and the other point too that I made in the video that I'm kind of just stumbling across now is a lot of newer TVs have different lag through their analog video inputs than they do through their HDMI. I have no idea why it should be an easy analog to digital conversion. And I tested on my TV and I, I don't know if this acted different before or after a firmware update. So there's info in the video about that. So my only point is that Putting your analog games through a proper scaler, and especially when 480i or any interlaced signals in the mix, is always a good idea. To, that way you could reduce a lot of lag, or at least potential for lag. So overall, it was good for that. One other kind of neat bonus is that it has a really good comb filter in it on the composite video input. And that if you're using any console pretty much with composite video, even though it's bilinear scaling, composite's so noisy you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference uh, and the comb filter's better. So that's kind of a, something to think about. Maybe your two favorite consoles are the original NES and the PlayStation 2, and then cool. But for the most part, I would still rec strongly recommend getting the, the original Tink for pretty much everything else. The only other neat feature, too, is the comb filter works even in pass-through mode, which means if you're somebody that wants to take VHS tapes or laser discs and capture them, and you have a capture card compatible with 480i, you could use the Tink in pass-through mode and get a really good comb filter on composite video and digitize that. So another cool bonus, but respectfully, I don't mean, you know, I don't 
mean anything negative towards the product and certainly nothing negative towards Mike Chi. It's my opinion that the Tink M is really like the Tink PlayStation 2, pretty much. Get yourself HD retrovision cables, the good shielded ones. I have links to them right here just because, I mean, you know, if you own a PS2, you pretty much should own those anyway. And I guess that's pretty much it. So a lot of people were so confused, like, oh, I just bought the Pro. Now I wish I got the 480p version, but my favorite console is Super Nintendo. And I think there was so much confusion to that. Uh, I really wish, I thought I did a good enough job explaining it. I guess not. Or, Or maybe people were just playing Nintendo Switch, sending text messages and watching the video all at the same time and only half paying attention. Who knows? I think that's kind of how people watch videos these days, which is a bit frustrating but uh so yeah if my not so quick rundown sparked your interest in this watch the video and check out the post if not i apologize for boring you i was just trying to get good info out there to point people in the right direction of which retro tink product would be the choice for them if any i guess because there are some really good choices now ossc rad 2x uh, you know based on retro tink technology and of course the ossc pro is coming at some point soon too so Lots of awesome choices now. If you understand what the Tink M is, it's a great choice. If not, it might just confuse you. So if there's any question, just stick with the originals. The Behar brothers have just announced a new super gun called the Shogun that's designed specifically for both types of Neo Geo boards. So for people unaware, there are actually two different pinouts in Neo Geo motherboards. The later editions used pretty much JAMA, so you could just plug that into any JAMA harness, whereas some of the earlier revisions used mostly JAMA, but a few pins were different due to stereo audio and a few other things. So this super gun is actually compatible with both. You could use it with either one. Um, It has a SCART output, and that's fully attenuated, so you don't have to worry about overvoltage on any of the lines. And while it might be usable with other arcade boards, uh, it's really designed for the exact voltages of Neo Geo, which totally makes sense. Um, It's also only $75, which is a pretty good price for somebody that's just looking to connect their, uh, their Neo Geo board to their RGB setup like this. So... Overall, it seems to be a pretty cool option. I know there was a few different people working on Neo Geo, uh, whether it's super guns or or different things for it. And I don't know what happened. I think all the projects stalled. I don't know if everything going on in the world was was added to all of that. But as far as I knew, last time, this, this year, last time, there should have been like three of these boards out by now. So I'm glad that the Behar brothers were able to get to theirs. They also have the VGA-16 um, and the their, ups, their upcoming consoleized MVS that they're selling as well. So they have some pretty cool products coming out for Neo Geo boards. But it looks like uh, if you're somebody that just wants one dedicated super gun to your Neo Geo, this is a great option now. It's got the DB-15 connectors on there. And I, uh, I'm assuming it's the same pinout as all Neo Geos, so you could use original sticks or... Um, you know, or any kind of handmade arcade sticks on there. Um, and it also looks like it has a, a THS7374 chip, which means you do get that low-pass filter if you're doing any kind of direct capture or stuff like that, which is always handy. So, um, you know, overall, it looks like a pretty good option. Uh, I'll probably 
borrow one to test when it comes in. And I do hope those other projects still uh, continue. Not that there's anything I, I don't like about this. I just always like that there's options. And, you know, there could be two products that are almost identical to each other, but one's kind of a better fit for your setup and the other one's kind of a better fit for somebody else's setup. So hopefully, that you know, hopefully we'll still be able to get all those different options. But it's really awesome to see the Behar brothers put this out here. And uh, thanks to Ronnie for doing such a detailed write-up and getting everybody the info on it. It looks like someone's making reproduction carrying cases for the Virtual Boy at $185. So I wanted to drop the price first because I know that's really expensive, but uh, the project itself looks really cool. It looks like they're trying to recreate the Blockbuster video carrying cases for the Virtual Boy, um, but use really high quality uh, parts in it, like a high quality durable case in the foam that's inside. Uh, it's really meant to last a long time and not get that foam dust that you sometimes get. Anybody that's ever used any kind of like custom cases or stuff like that with the, the foam inserts know exactly what I'm talking about. And they do cut, come all pre-cut, which is which is kind of a big deal if you've worked with custom cases before. If not, it doesn't make any sense and you're like, why would you care? But there was one uh, there was one company in Long Island that used to make really great guitar cases, but that they would not uh, pre-cut them for you. You'd have to cut them yourself. And I actually went down there. I was like, look, what is it going to cost? Here's my guitar. Cut it for my guitar. And they kind of looked at me like I was crazy, but I've done that before. And you know, when you're trying to cut the foam out to shape whatever it is that you're doing and it's a little too much cut now whatever it is that you're holding is flopping around in there so I wasn't about to have my guitar bouncing around inside a case so I just wanted to mention that so these are they come completely finished you know you open them up you put your virtual boy in and you put it also fits the controller the stand the uh, power supply and a couple of games uh, hopefully there's room in there for link cables and extension cables as well because i know i certainly just bought a couple of those from kevin uh, overall though it looks pretty cool it's it just you know i would never imagine something like this to be cheap and it's cheaper than trying to find one of the original blockbuster ones but it is very expensive and this is one of the things that I would really like. I just, I'm not sure if I would spend that much on it. But hey, if you're a giant Virtual Boy fan, you don't want yours collecting dust, or you carry yours around, and you've already spent a lot of money on it. Maybe you put the, you know, the uh, virtual taps in it or something. I guess it would make sense to have a good way to protect it. But uh, the same person that makes these makes a bunch of others, like um, cart cases and. Uh, even things like, uh, I, I believe there's a case for the Vectrix in there. Or there, there was no pictures, but there was one listed. So I'd love to see more of this person's work. Anybody's interested, just go to their DeviantArt page, and then they have links right there on where to purchase them. So kind of an interesting thing. Certainly one of these things that everybody, I think, that owns a Virtual Boy would be interested in, just not interested in spending that much money on it, I guess. Well, that's it for this week. As always, thanks so much to everybody that watches and listens and plays nicely in the comments. And especially thank you to everybody that supports on services like Floatplane and Patreon, as it's your support that keeps this podcast, all the behind-the-scenes research, and all the other craziness going. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week. 